White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Man, I don't know. Uh, It's probably been a season since we're coming off a game that feels this good. Probably since uh, last season's whiteout against Auburn. And um, I... I (laughs) Bro, I'm I'm still like on cloud nine. I'm still floating with that with that great Penn State win, uh, forty-one to twelve against Auburn on Saturday. Uh, how you doing, man? How, how's your How's your weekend? How's your week? You're where, where are you right now? You're you're you were in Park City last week, Utah. Where Where are you these days? I'm in South Central Utah. South Central. Um, yep, I'll be in Canab, uh, Utah, near the Grand Canyon. Um, real soon here in a few couple days, few days. And yeah, I, since we last talked, I had to deal with some wintry, uh, weather in the winter mountains, uh, east of, um, Salt Lake City and Park City. Um, that was an interesting, uh, couple of days for me that I had to dip off the route and get to warmer, lower terrain. But I'm here. I made it. I'm, I'm, I'm almost to my, um, Last state of Arizona, but it, I'll tell you, Andy, it's good to have watched a game on the road this season that didn't have seven lead changes oh and gosh, make me totally. have heart palpitations. <laughs> oh my. You know, I mean, I, st- I still had heart palpitations, but, but not, but not because so much of what the team was doing, mostly just because that's how I like to watch a game is, is self-inflicted heart palpitations. Yeah. I'm a little, not like that Purdue game. I'm a little concerned about our episode today because like, I don't know what we're going to do without like the grinding of gears and the full foamy froth at us getting upset about what we saw. Cause it was honestly, I mean, I mean, it's not like it was a perfect game, but it was such a rewarding game to watch. I mean, I, I feel like we're just going to be in, in, in too happy a mood and people will get bored. You know, <laughs> it, it's I, I think it's it's Penn State's best game, you know, ha- head to toe, top to bottom, start to finish. I think since the 2019 Cotton Bowl against Memphis. I mean, I would um, say maybe even better because our defense had a hard time yeah. locking uh, Memphis down in the first couple True. quarters of that game. So certainly offensively, it felt that way. But hey, we're going to get into all that real soon. Um, we're going to uh, revel in that in that great game. Um, we're going to talk about all of it, um, n- not only what we saw, but even you know what it means. Um, before we do that, we're going to do our typical news and notes, talk about some other things that were going on this weekend. Um and then after we have a chance to totally uh, break down that Auburn game, we're going to talk about our upcoming opponent, the Central Michigan Chippewas. Uh, so that's what we've got going. And, and, you know, I say, why don't we go ahead and jump right in with our news and notes. News and notes. Oh man, uh, I got a I got some feedback uh, on that little ditty um, from Joel Bettner. He said that he he can't ever sit still when he hears that uh, that intro to news and, and notes. And neither Gets and neither moving. can you. No, I, I like neither it. can you. I made it and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, hey, um, I, let's let's keep rolling with your ten second takes, Tom's ten second takes with these uh, national scores. Um, the caveat caveat ten second takes 
with with Tom, but Tom has ADHD, so they're more like mm, twenty second. Ten takes. second take. Ta- excuse me. Ten second takes with two minute tangents. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Ooh, nailed it. I just thought alliteration of that. is just now. Alliteration was good. Alliteration was real good there. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> speaking of alliteration, um, I've got uh, your first take. Uh, number six, <laughs> number six, Oklahoma <laughs> steamrolled a scot-free Nebraska Cornhuskers, forty-nine to fourteen. You know they they got rid of their whipping boy Scott Frost, but they had to fire their defensive coordinator afterwards too because <laughs> it was a walloping. Once they scored, Nebraska got on the board first with seven points. Boom! The rest of the game, all Oklahoma. They basically. also um, were the last to score. Um, they scored yeah. the final touchdown, and in between, Oklahoma scored. Uh, seven touchdowns. Yeah. Whoops. <clears throat> All right. Whoops. Um, <laughs> uh, looks like it's going to be a while until Nebraska gets their footing. Um, number 25, Oregon spanked a surging 12th ranked BYU 41 to 20. Guess BYU was overranked. I, I guess the AP voters, you know, decided to grant Oregon a, a, a massive jump in the AP poll. They bumped them up 10 spots to right behind Penn State at 14. Yeah, you just preempted my AP poll news that was coming up at the end of the segment, but thanks. No worries. Oh, no, we can't talk about it now. <laughs> um, how about this one? Unranked Washington upsets the upstart Spartans 39 I, to 28. I had, I had a buddy at this game. Um, I watched the game. Washington manhandled Michigan State, manhandled them. Yeah, Michigan State made a run in the end, but it was all for naught. Michigan State got exposed. They have one of the worst pass defenses in the country. Michael Penix uh, had an all-time game. Michael Penix finally making a mark for himself. Uh, You kind of feel good about that guy, I mean, he he. I mean, he made a mark for himself at Indiana. I mean, he he's just finally getting injured, back. You know, I mean. Well, that's yeah. He's he, and he's healthy right now. So we'll see how that shakes. True, out. true. Uh, you know, just since we've already uh, broken open the bag on uh, the AP poll, uh, Michigan State, who is ranked eleventh going into that game, they got dropped out entirely. Yeah, um, so. and I think I think. Rightfully so. They they're they were they had the worst pass defense in the country last year, mm. by the way, and they didn't do anything to to fix that uh, in the offseason. So uh, there was a lot of um, Mel Tucker's getting ripped for that ninety five million dollar guaranteed contract right now. <laughs> How about this one? Uh, floundering Florida escapes embarrassment, barely beating the South Florida Bulls thirty one to twenty eight. Sounds like a tongue twist. You just said there. I'm trying. I'm writing. I'm trying to write headlines. These are not stolen yeah. <laughs> from someone else. This is this is my um, take. My headline. They anointed Florida early. They anointed Anthony Richardson uh, for the Heisman early. Um, uh, there's some people that say that uh, Florida should not be ranked, um, and, and you might as well just roll right into the Miami game because people are saying that Florida and Miami both shouldn't be ranked um, uh, because Miami. Um, yeah, basically thir- gotten here, here you go. Here's your take. The 13 ranked hurricanes sputter against the Aggies 17 to nine. Speaking of, speaking of coaches getting ripped. Um, oh yeah. Mario Cristobal is getting shredded by the Miami. I mean, this is his third game. He was a top 10 preseason, um, favorite, um, Miami was, and, um, 
he is Franklin like game management problems multiplied by 10. Okay. Well, we know how miserable it. that is, right? He's going for it. I'm sorry. He is punting with three minutes to go down by eight points. What are you doing, man? Uh, everyone at Oregon. I mean, what was it? Fourth and 42 or something. I mean, I, everyone at Oregon is uh, cheering the fact <laughs> that they don't have Mario Cristobal anymore. Yeah. So. Um, it, by the way, uh, Miami was ranked 13 going into that game. Whereas, um, Texas A&M was 24th. So that's technically an upset. I, I, it's really hard to know looking at the AP poll, you know, where people really ought to be. I mean, Oregon went from, you know, starting at number 11, then they dropped out after getting, you know, crushed by Georgia. They came back into the number 25 spot when they beat Eastern Washington and now they're back up to 15. So, you know, that kind of roller coaster, by the way, it seems like you don't want to be 11th in this uh, poll. Cause that's that's a sure sign you're going to lose. Apparently, that I think the number 11s have gone down in spectacular fashion each week. So, um, but in any case, um, I, I just it's a good reminder that the, the polls right now are are just unreliable. And unfortunately, as you were saying, they're to me, bipolar. What's that? <laughs> the rankings are bipolar. Oh, very funny. That's clever. Cases. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, but like, yeah. as you were saying to me, it's unfortunate because this really sets the expectations for when the, the meaningful poll comes out. Um, you know, the, the championship uh, conference championship game no, no, poll or no, whatever no. The, the CFP, CFP the college in week, football in week eight or nine, whatever it comes out and <laughs> And like all these like preseason and early season kind of rankings and movements really sets the tone for what what will ultimately end up being. So it's kind of it's dumb. I don't, it just goes I don't to, like and it. And it just goes to show you that that the you people cannot be ranking these teams. There's it's so impossible. It's it's not like you're ranking a tennis player against another tennis player. That's not what you're doing in college football. You're ranking a team of you know, uh, freaking eight, in some cases, like 50, 60 players are playing in these games. And like, how are we supposed to know how those combinations are going to like work together week to week when they're between the ages of 18 and 23 or in Sean, Sean Clifford's case, 29 or whatever, <laughs> how old he is. Um, but I mean, but he's older like, than like a, some of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. <laughs> uh Yeah. He's older than Tua Tagovailoa and Tagovailoa is in it, or Jalen Hurts or something like that, and and they're in their third season in the NFL. It's amazing. <laughs> um, well, hey, but yeah, um, it's just it's impossible to rank these guys. Yeah. It's it really is until you get a full body of work and you're in the 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 back half of the meat of the schedule and you really get a, a um, picture for what these kids are doing on the field. Um, you know, I understand Georgia looks like the most dominant team. Putting them at one makes total sense. Everything from like the fifth team out is like, who the heck knows, man? Yeah, totally. You know, that, and this is a, a precisely why I just, I believe that, uh, you know, expanding the playoffs has been, is going to be good for the sport. I, I fully agree with you. And like the other thing is, you know, when you get into the meat of the schedule, you really have a good sense of how teams within a conference stack up. As yeah. you see them play, but you still don't really have a great sense of how 
one team stacks up against another team in another conference, the only way you can really settle that is on the field, which means you got to have a you got to have a way to get those teams on the field together where you're not just, you know, rolling the dice and 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 making educated we gotta guesses. We got to put the so, best four teams together. Oh my gosh. Like I have to hear that one more uh, time. The Defe- oh defense my gosh. of the <laughs> you know, the four teams that they roll out there. It's um We want we're trying to get the best four teams out there. How not do the you best, know who not they the are? Most it's just four deserving. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Tell that to the Super Bowl champion. Like, hey, we just we thought you were the best, so we just gave you the Super Bowl trophy. So dumb. It's like uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey, um, a couple other items of news and notes, um, some scores around the Big Ten. Um, there were a lot of um, week three blowouts by some of the big teams in the conference. Uh, Michigan shut out UConn 59 to nothing. You know, great. What does that tell us about Michigan? I don't know. By the way, they apparently played eight quarterbacks in that game. Yeah, and Cade McNamara, they're starting college football playoff quarterback went down with a apparently a lower leg injury and he'll be out for a few weeks maybe until our game or beyond i don't know yeah but the other the other flip side of that is taekwon roberson was the name the starting quarterback of uconn oh my um, gosh that's right on the day of uh their first game of the season and on his second or third pass attempt he i think tore his acl yeah out for the season so so their starting quarterback uh it wasn't even available in that game not that it necessarily would have made a ton of difference um but you know that's just a bummer for a guy that moved on from penn state you would have loved to see him have some sort of success there yeah um another one of those blowouts oh, ohio state uh put up 77 points against Toledo. Somehow Toledo scored three touchdowns. So it was 77-21 final score. But again... Yeah, they scored those touchdowns earlier in the game, too. It mm. wasn't like a fourth quarter touchdowns. It's, um, I don't know what to make of Ohio State this year. I mean, they struggled against a Notre Dame team that obviously itself is really struggling. And now, now you get some blowouts against some inferior competition. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when Ohio State you know, kind of gets into the meat of the so, season, including... <laughs> this week against Wisconsin. Yeah. Southern Columbia wide receiver, number one wide receiver uh, in high school from a couple seasons ago, a couple recruiting classes ago that was, um, you know, thought to be going to be coming to Penn state. Hasn't really been able to make quite of an impact for the Ohio state Buckeyes as he spurned Penn state for the Buckeyes, but he got in the end zone twice this past weekend against Toledo. And as that offense got going into the seventies, like everybody <laughs> thought they would be doing this whole season, you know, prior to that Notre Dame game, everybody's like, Oh, they're going to score 50 plus every, every single week. And it's like, well, they haven't, but now, you know, against Toledo, they finally got the ball rolling the way they Toledo. like, but, but they, I don't, you know, Notre Dame, you know, good defense. Sure. Bad offense. Yes. Um, we still don't know what Ohio state is, like you said. Um, and, and, and Wisconsin will be a, a good defensive test for them. Yeah. I Wisconsin, think. who, by the way, um, rolled over New Mexico state 66 to seven. So I, yeah, they were up, they were up 63 to nothing before <laughs> the, 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 is it the Lobos, the New Mexico state Lobos got their first, uh, yeah, and they, first they had score. a, they had a stumble against Washington state earlier this year. So, um, it'll be interesting to see if they can write the ship 
uh, and get up for that Ohio State game. That, that should be an interesting interesting game that tells us a lot about the Big Ten and a lot about Ohio State this coming week. Um, last blowout in the Big Ten, Minnesota bulldozed the Buffaloes of Colorado 49-7. to Yeah, speak of not knowing what to make of a team, <laughs> the this this team, this Minnesota team hasn't played anybody yet, and and the pollsters are not rewarding them just because they have the number one scoring offense, you know, in, in college football. They played nobody, and they haven't been tested, but they're going to be playing um, – who, who do they got this com- coming weekend? I forget who it is, but um, yeah, I know that – Oh, no, no, no. They, they – um... I thought it was somebody decent. Yeah, I'm, I'm I looking it up right now. Um, yeah, they play Michigan well, State. Well, that's right. Thank you. So, so that'll be that'll be super interesting to see. You know, just kind of if if Michigan State's, you know, are they worthy of a top twenty five ranking, or if Minnesota is, you know, that that'll be be a a um, you know a, a big a big game for both of those teams to kind of see what where they are this season. Because Michigan State's lone loss now, you know, the, by the way, the first losing team in the Big East division, mm-hmm. sorry, Big Ten East division, um, you, you know, all, all the rest of our teams are undefeated. Yeah. Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, all undefeated. Michigan State for, but the, so that loss is out of the conference for the record. So, you know, Michigan State certainly has the ability to write their season. It's not like their whole season is shot. So, and Washington might go on to be a kind of a dark horse Pac-12 contender. Uh, maybe not so dark anymore, quite frankly. I, I mean, we're, we're getting more information each and every week. Um, as you mentioned, um, the the East has mostly undefeated teams. That includes um, Maryland, who avoided being embarrassed by uh, the SMU Mustangs. They hang on to win 34-27. to 27. Um, also, yeah, they were down. Also, they were down in that game. Yeah, Indiana uh, snuck past uh, Western Kentucky, thirty-three to thirty, and likewise, Rutgers repelled a rallying Temple, fourteen to sixteen. Um, so, both of those teams also um, start the year three and zero. Rutgers needed a pick six to win their game. <laughs> I, I don't know if that. I don't know if they. I don't know if they scored an offensive touchdown in that game. Meanwhile, um, as as you were talking about Minnesota, they are three and zero, but they're the lone team in the West that is still undefeated. Um, hey, uh, Syracuse, who's not been good in a long while, um, surprised a sloppy Purdue who lost twenty nine to thirty two. Yeah, sloppy might be an understatement. Um, they their quarterback Aiden O'Connell threw a pick six in the fourth quarter. Um, and then when they scored their go-ahead touchdown on the ensuing p- point after try, they got an unsportsmanlike conduct from not only one of their players in the field, but also one of their assistant coaches. So two unsportsmanlike penalties on the same play to go up and it had it forced them to kick from their own 10-yard line, which gave uh, Syracuse with less than a minute and a short field to go down and they scored the go ahead touchdown um, with less than like, uh, I think with like seven seconds left. So Purdue literally beat themselves basically in that game when they, 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 what, what, what do we call it? The snatching the, the jaws of uh, no, snatching snatching defeat, defeat from the jaws of victory. 
That's what they did in that game, which is the opposite of what we did when we played Purdue. So a team that was thought to maybe be the best team in the West has now dropped two um, and one in conference, one out of conference. But Syracuse is not the kind of team you, you want to be losing to if you have aspirations of winning the Big Ten West. And then um, on the bottom of the Big Ten West, Northwestern was embarrassed by Southern Illinois, 24 to 31. Only reason I bring that up is because we're going to play them in a couple of weeks. And it, it looks like Northwestern, who showed some signs of life early in the season when they beat um, Nebraska, uh, you know, it, that's more a statement about Nebraska than it was about Northwestern. They, Northwestern's not been looking good. Yeah, there's rumblings happening about um, Pat Fitzgerald. Um, not that his necessarily his job is on the line because I don't see Northwestern firing him at all. He's their golden boy, but you know, they've been, even though they've won the West several times under him, they haven't really elevated. And in fact, they've, they're, they're, they're doing the opposite right now. They're, 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 they've taken their success and they've, they've only gone backwards with it. So there's, there's talks of him potentially being in a stagnated situation there and not knowing how to, to get his team to the next level. But, you know, Franklin also was, you know, last two years, similar situation. So who knows what what the, the the future holds for Pat Fitzgerald there? There's just there's talks of it is all. Last bit of uh, Big Ten news um, from the weekend's games. I just want to offer a congratulations to Iowa who had their first multi touchdown game this weekend when they scored twenty seven against Nevada. All those points were scored by the offense, by the way. <laughs> I think I think um, <laughs> Iowa was out there scoring touchdowns at two thirty a.m. Eastern time oh because gosh. of a series of severe thunderstorms that were rolling oh, that's through right. Kinnick and, and Iowa. Right. Um, it, severe, severe thunderstorms that were caused, I think, three different delays to the tune of, uh, you know, three hours of, of delays. And it, 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 if you were a fan still at that game watching the the, fu- the final ticks on the clock, uh, kudos to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I was not one of those people. Um, by the way, um, this leaves, uh, after all those results, uh, three weeks in, only three Big Ten teams remain in the top 25, Penn State um, being uh, number 14, the other two, uh, number four, Ohio State, number five, Michigan, or maybe they're three and four, I can't remember. Um, and there's a lot of talk in spite of Penn State's big win this weekend that, you know, the Big Ten looks bad right now and, and you know, are they... Uh, are they a stumbling conference? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as the as the year goes on. But there are uh, you know big portions of the Big Ten right now that that don't look great. Uh, personally, I don't care. <laughs> um, and you got three teams in the East that are that are still you know playing very well, and that'll that'll bode well for us if we can do well as we get through the meat of the season. Um, but it's just it's something to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll see how that goes. You gotta wonder. You gotta wonder how the Big Ten brass feels about their lopsided conference. Divisional. It needs to be fixed. I, it's. I gotta well, be honest. It needs to be fixed. It's not right. They fixing it isn't gonna be happening until the full realignment is is done. Yeah, I'm sure. And by the way, I mean, I didn't mention USC. They also had another big blowout against somebody I don't remember who. Um, USC looking good right now. Fresno State. They, the Fresno State. UCLA looking pretty bad right now. Um, UCLA barely, barely squeaked by South Alabama. 
Um, so um, one of those two teams looks like a, a, a big, strong addition uh, to Penn State's uh, conference. Um, but, you know, it, I, you know when, that, when that, I was just going to say, let me say, uh, when that realignment comes, um, I, I hope they do something that's a little closer to like uh, what the Big Ten has, excuse me, what the Big 12 has done where they don't have divisions and they just have, you know, the top two teams playing each other at the end of the season. It's you got to do something like that. Otherwise you're, you really risk having a three or four loss team in that championship game, you know, possibly beating an undefeated, uh, highly ranked team and, and really messing up your, your entry into the, um, into the championship. So I, okay. So, so here's a problem in my eyes, you know, you know, when, when they announced that USC and UCLA were coming over from the Pac-12, I was like, oh, cool. We got, you know, I was I was more focused on like USC coming in and we were more focused on the L.A. market. But I never really gave the 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 idea of UCLA being in the conference much thought. And and here two weeks in a row, they they there have been <laughs> they there have been pictures and talk of the Rose Bowl being so devoid of fans that the I mean it's staggering. We're talking like th- this last game against South Alabama, they 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 were measuring the possible number of fans in the in the hundreds to to only maybe a couple thousand at most. I mean Penn, Penn State had more fans at Auburn than UCLA had at their home stadium this past weekend. Combined their last two home games, <laughs> Penn State had more fans travel to Auburn for that game this past weekend than UCLA has had fans in their stadium combined the last two weeks. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, Los Angeles, I, I mean, having lived in Southern California for three years, uh, LA is a what have you done for me lately kind of town and UCLA has done nothing lately. I mean, Chip Kelly was supposed to be the guy who was going to, going to get UCLA back to its winning ways. And he's, he's really been, you know, mediocre at best. It's not excited. The fan base, um, you know, they're going to just have to start winning. They're going to have to figure out how to get their program um, looking respectable to win for years and years Look, in order to 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 get that fan base excited because they're supposed to be competitive in the conference this year and you know obviously the product is, is barely being south alabama is not what you hope to see yeah. when you're trying to compete for a title but like what 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 does that bring to the table you know we're if that's what they get for home games like we're going to out we're going <laughs> to we're going to travel to that Rose Bowl for regular oh, yeah, season games and have, be like have more Beaver fans West, than that. For sure. Like what? Why did they bring UCLA in? I don't know. Was it like a package deal? It probably was. Or like it was the, was there, is their basketball program that shiny? Uh, you know, they've, just, got, they've got good Olympic sports there. And I, I know that so, the ADs really feel like that's important for your, you know, big in the big 10 in particular. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a disappointment and kind of you hope that that this motivates UCLA to get their act together and uh you know look we got Rutgers in the Big 10 so yeah and they show up for their team <laughs> well 
They at least fill their stadium. Yeah, I guess. They do. I guess. No, they yeah. do. Anyway. They do compared to that. Anyway, um, hey, uh, let's go ahead and um, and put the news and notes to bed. And um, let's go ahead and talk about this huge win. Huge win this weekend. Penn State went down to an SEC stadium in the heart of the Deep South. And, um, you know, not only did we come away with a win, we put a hurt on that Auburn team. This was an Auburn team that desperately needed a statement win. And, uh, you know, a Brian Harson coached Auburn team who needed to, to swing the narrative. And, you know, we didn't just, we didn't just show up. We embarrassed them. We dominated them. You know, we, by the end of the game, they were, they were slinking out of the stadium and our fans were crowding in and chanting. We are Penn state. And our blue band was, was sticking around and playing songs. Well, after the game was over, it was just, it was an incredible game. It was one of the most rewarding things I've seen in a long time. You mentioned that Memphis game, but like we, that was Memphis. This was Auburn. And you know, I, there, there was one uh, take that I that I read that like in no way should even a bad Auburn team let the best Penn Penn State team in the world come in and and beat Auburn by that many points. That's how strongly people feel about you know what the kind of team that Auburn is and the kind of football they play in the SEC. This was a wake up call, I think, for a lot of people who are paying attention to the SEC to Auburn. And of the Big Ten. Bro, um, what was it like to watch this game for you? What are your feelings and thoughts about the game as it's sort of percolated over these last few days? It, it, it didn't, I'm not saying it reminded me exactly of this game, but the vibe, but the, like the euphoric vibe of the game reminded me of when Arizona came to town in that, was it uh, 1999? Right. You know, if, yeah, the, they had just the won start a national that championship year. or something the year before or something. No, like. no, 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 no. They didn't. They didn't just win a national title. No, they oh, were. They were. They had oh, a they good were ranked number two or something like that. They were in the top, I think, five, four, yeah. six kind of range, and they had a Heisman Trophy contender in Trung candidate in their backfield running back. Um, and they were supposed to, you know, they had a good season the year before. They're supposed to be very good going in. We literally exposed them. Right away, we won like forty to like three or forty to seven or something like that. That's a great example. We, that, I mean, we just blew the doors off of them, yeah. and demoralized them and ruined the rest of their season. By the way, I mean that has so some, it, some uh, overtones of that Nebraska game, also um, sure. sort of yeah. in that Frank in that Solich. same era where they came in uh, to Beaver Stadium. But again, those were two home games, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no doubt. No, I'm and not so saying here it's we a parallel. Go. Here we I'm go. I'm not saying down it's a parallel. In yeah, in terms of the feeling, in terms of the sense of what you know, what's happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. in our well, me, me as a fan watching it, I'm, yeah. I'm like, this is awesome. I I feel really good about my. T-. It was that that type. It was that type. Um. So, y- you know, I, I, the first half wasn't quite like that, but like you know, we had dudes flying around the ball, man. Uh, on you know both sides, we had it, it was the offensive line's best performance since that 2019 Cotton Bowl, and 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 I think 
it was the offensive line's best performance in the Franklin era. I, I, I think you could certainly make an argument. I mean, I'm sure the the people who do the analytics would grade it and they would let us know if it's if that's true or not. But I think, you know, to the eye, even at halftime, we were only up, you know, 14 to six. If those two field goals were touchdowns, it could have been a tie game. It didn't feel like Penn State necessarily had a huge lead. But I was seeing the trenches and I thought, Hey, something's happening there. We're, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say dominating at that point, but w- you know, we're winning the battle in the trenches. I could see that even in the first half and it gave me some confidence. Um, I talked to dad at the, uh, at the end of the game, we, we talked for a few minutes and, and he's like, um, you know, there are two things that won us the game, the run game and Sean Clifford, which by the way, uh, I think everyone knows here that my, our dad's a big, like Sean Clifford guy. He really liked Sean Clifford, you know, God bless his soul. <laughs> and Clifford did have a good game, but I said, no dad, you, it's, it, I mean, those things are true, but really it was the offensive line. The offensive line came to play uh, on Saturday and it was, it was a glorious thing. I, I, I really loved it. When was the last time we didn't in a big game, we didn't need our quarterback to make the plays to win the game? I mean, it's it's a great question. <laughs> I mean, it's a great question. I mean, even the Saquon Barkley era, you know, w- which was, you know, he had some explosive plays, really would flash. You know, even then it felt like the running game wasn't always reliable. We didn't take over the game on the ground. It felt that way because we couldn't gain short yardage. Exactly. D- Ever exactly it was Saquon Miles, you know Noah Kane. Like Noah Kane could do it a little bit. He did it in a couple games, but like by and large, you couldn't rely on Penn State to gain tough short yardage. Uh, you know, move the chain uh, plays. I and, mean, and, and we we are showing in this first three games that we have running backs that can do that, and offensive linemen that can at least move. Um, some defensive linemen out of the way to give a couple creases. I mean, look, for these running backs. Every one of our touchdowns was a running touchdown. We had five rushing touchdowns. Uh, Katron Allen's first touchdown um, that was our second of the game, and it was seven to six mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, he scored a nice three-yard run. But what I didn't remember it was totally and, bottled up. <laughs> I mean, it was a third down, third and goal yeah. from the three-yard yep. line, and we. We ran the ball in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, when's the last time that happened? Uh, I mean, it just, it was, it was really, really positive. Um, and and the, the offensive line, along with the tight ends, by the way, who had some tremendous blocks throughout the game, you know, they just really, really played uh, quite, quite well. And I, I don't know what we're going to wind up thinking about Auburn and their defense throughout the rest of the season, but like they have, Athletes. I mean, their front seven going to this game was considered to be a, a, a highly talented uh, front seven that, that, you know, they were going to present problems for Penn State um, because our our offensive line has been untested and they're a solid unit. And I mean, we just by the end of the game, we were just manhandling them, man. Yeah, no one predicted Auburn to get beat the way they did. Everybody was like, you know, uh, yes, Penn State's favored by two and a half, three points. Um, but I just don't trust, you know, anyone to go down in, in, to Auburn and and win at Jordan Hare. You know, I'm taking, you know, all these, 
you know, professional game callers <laughs> that, you know, they're not right uh, more than they're not, you know, they, 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 they're guessing, you know, just like we are. Um, but these guys do it for a living. And, and a lot of people were picking Auburn. A lot of people were picking tank Bigsby and a lot of people were picking that defense and a lot of people were picking that stadium. Yep. And, you know, with only that 14 to six lead, and the way that Clifford was hit in that first drive and the way that we went for it on fourth down on our side of the field, I, the doubts were creeping in on my mind mm-hmm, yeah. and, and going into half. Just like what, what are we going to be able to hang on to this lead? Are we going to, are we going to be able to make any adjustments yep. and come out prepared? Andy, that was about the best second half of football that, Again, that in the Penn Franklin State has era. played on the road. Yeah, that, uh, played on the road against a big time SEC opponent at a, with a rabid fan base. Um, By the way, we didn't punt. We didn't, Andy. We didn't punt the ball until the after you know, until our sixth drive, where the fi- the previous five drives in that second half, we scored points on every single one of them. So it, I was just going to say, you know, was, um, one of the things you didn't hear either going into or coming out of this game is Franklin's propensity to lose uh, big time away games. And that's been a knock on him. And, uh, you know, Auburn wasn't ranked and everything like that. But, you know, this was a big game. It was going into a hostile environment. And um, like you said, not only did a Franklin coach team come out of that with the win, but in the second half of that game with the score being close, a one score game going into half, uh, we pulled away and we, we dominated, we dominated in the second half. Um, so, um, speaking of just like, just a couple of things. Um, and this, this is coming out of the, um, you know, Penn state sports office. Um, Penn state became the first big 10 school to sweep a home and home against an sec opponent since 2012. So first time in 10 years. And that game, by the way, was Northwestern versus Vanderbilt. Um, so, you know, different kind of competition there. Um, likewise, the 29 points that we won by, uh, it's the second largest margin of victory on the road versus an sec team ever. Mm-hmm. And the only one that was further was Purdue's 35 to three win at Missouri in 2017. And again, that's Missouri. So, I mean, it just goes to show you, um, how significant this win is, you know, you, you start writing Auburn off right away when you see they gave up 41 to Penn state. But I mean, no one was calling this. Um, no one, no one thought that Penn state had the horses to, um, you know, run with Auburn the way, you know, sec speed, sec toughness, sec defense, sec home stadium. Uh, and, and, you know, we just showed ourselves to be superior to all those factors in basically every facet. It's funny, you know, how it's these, these SEC schools and these SEC players and these SEC media members, they, they lean to the SEC when the individual team cannot be leaned upon. You know, they're, they're like, they're like, oh, well, you know, Auburn, Auburn sucks. And, 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 but like, you know, Hey, w- w- at least we're part of the best conference down here, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> right. It's, it's just like, uh, you know, I, we, we beat one of your premier blue blood programs. All right. We did. And, and we did it back to back years of home and away. 
Okay, you know, if you, you you look at Sean's stats in both those games, the dude was darn near flawless, all right? You look at, you know, we, we beat you by uh, eight points last year, and we beat you by what? How many scores this year? Four, three? What was it? I mean, it was 29 four. points, dude. So, I mean, yeah. four scores. Well, over four touchdowns. Yeah. So, so yes, that it's spelling the demise of, of your coach, Brian Harson. Yes, it's, 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 you know, um, highlighting a lot of your deficiencies. But if they had won, no one would be saying that. And there was a time that the game, you know, was, was still, possible for Auburn to, to, to make some moves. You got to, you got to scratch your head and wonder why they didn't use tank Bigsby more. I mean, you know, like we the, held him to 39 yards rushing on the day. They only gave it to him. Uh, I think like a couple times in the second quarter though, they, 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 a lot of his carries came in the second half when the game was out of hand and, and it's just, they're, they, they, we took away their run game. Yes. But I don't think that they, really committed to one of their best, um, you know, talents on offense. So, um, you know, we, we, I, I'm, I'm a lot of this game to me, um, is, is, you know, hold my, you know, uh, expectations on, on, what Penn State can can do. Um, they took care of business against Auburn, but I think we'll look back against uh, at this game and be like, oh, you know, Auburn was as bad as what that score indicated. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it, I, I do. I do think say. that. You know, it's hard to say. I, I'm not these... saying I'm not trying to take anything away from what they accomplished on the field at all. But as far as what we have to do still to get better. You know, this is a game to build on. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a game to. Ha- it's not a game that we will at the end of the season hang our hats on. I mean, it's it, it remains to be seen. You know, I think it. You know, both that, Auburn season what and I our I'm season what I think. will tell us what we think about it. You know, two months from now. But uh, you know, all I was trying to convey is that like this narrative about the a dominance of the sec compared to every other conference, sure. including the big 10. Like y- you gotta, you gotta start shifting that narrative a little bit. I mean, the talent level, um, uh, on Penn state side compared to the talent level on, um, Auburn side, like, you know, even in the trenches, uh, Penn state had the athletes to man up against that Auburn D and the, by the way, the Auburn offense. I mean, we were in their backfield a ton. We got, a ton of tackles for loss, a ton of sacks. Um, we harassed them, you know, on defense. So, yeah, I mean, what, Andy, a lot of these SEC schools, uh, you know, LSU, they've looked bad this year. Um, Texas A&M, they got beat by App State. Flor- whoever, Florida, I can't remember they lost to. Florida lost to someone last week, um, you know. So, and now Auburn to Penn State, and, and you just look around at the SEC, and you're like, yeah, you got Georgia and you got Bama, but even Bama almost got beat by Texas. Yeah. So it's like so it's like this whole idea that the SEC is by far and away the best. It it certainly is because their best teams have been winning, um, co- you know, national titles. But but head to toe, top top to bottom, you, you can't you can't definitively say that they're the best conference. They've just they've just had their best teams winning, you know, national titles. So uh, you know we we as a as a as a Big Ten conference have to try and do more of that, you know, in, in the postseason. But, you know, this Auburn win 
certainly two years in a row goes a long way into dispelling uh, the notion that that the SEC can't be beat, and especially can't be beat down in the SEC territory. We went down there, the first t- team that ever, sorry, first Big Ten team first to Big ever Ten go down. ever to play in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Yeah, so one of the and, one and, of the writers said um, it was it's been 435 games since uh, Auburn had a, a Big Ten team in Jordan Hare, and it may be 435 more until they have another <laughs> one after that result. Yeah, and, and then and then a reporter asked Franklin point blank, like, "Hey, you plan on any, you know uh, scheduling any SEC schools?" Um, <laughs> you know, moving forward. And he just was like, no, like, <laughs> like, like that's that. hard. And, and this is coming from Franklin who, you know, was a back-to-back nine win season coach in the sec. So, uh, at Vanderbilt. Well, so, look, you know, he um, knows, he knows about at the sec for sure. We could talk about the, uh, the big 10 sec implications all day and that's fun. Yeah. But you know, there was at the heart of this, a really, really good football game played by, Penn State, and I want to talk about some of some of the factors that um, that led to that good game. We already mentioned the offensive line, um, but you know, part of what the offensive line did. Let's here are a couple of things I want to talk about. I want to talk about the offense and the run game. I want to talk about Sean Clifford, and then I want to talk about our defense. Um, and let's just talk about that run game. When we saw um, the running game go off last week against Ohio, we thought huh, that's pretty cool. When we saw Nick Singleton last week put up 179 yards, we thought, isn't that awesome? We finally got a 100-yard rusher. But it was against Ohio. And we, I think we all said what happens against Auburn is going to really show what the potential of this run game will be the rest of the season. And, bro, against Auburn, we finished with 245 yards rushing. We had five rushing touchdowns. As I already said, that's the most rushing touchdowns since the 2019 Cotton Bowl versus Memphis. We also had two freshman running backs who each scored two touchdowns, which is the first time that's happened since at least 2000. I guess the sports office only has stats like detailed stats going back to 2000. So in 22 years, that's the first time that's happened. Those two guys, uh, Nick Singleton and um, Katron Allen combined uh for 8.5 yards per carry between the two of them. Um, and they've scored six touchdowns. I, I guess this is a, a on the season uh, stat. 8.5 yards per carry on the season and six touchdowns between them. So this running game is for real, man. It really feels that way. It certainly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that premature? Is, I mean, I don't want to say premature. I don't, I don't, because I don't think it's premature. Um, I, I just know that uh, here, here's what I'll say. It's incredible. I, I'm not certain. I'm not, try, I'm not going to take anything away from it. It's incredible. Like we, we have um, talent that's, that's not just showing signs that they can do some, some nice things. They're showing signs that they can do dominant things. Um, and, and it, it's funny how like, and I made the comment that like, Oh, it turns out all, Phil Troutwine needed to get his offensive line going was, you know, the best, you know, running back in the country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it kind of helps. And yeah, it, it does kind of help. I mean, there you can't really quantify what it like. It's a chicken or the egg situation. Like, like does Singleton and Catron Allen make the offensive line block well, or is the offensive line blocking well and S- Singleton and Catron Allen 
are like, you know, feeding off of that. Like who's, are they feeding off each other? Is one, you know, making one better or, you know, what, what is this symbiotic relationship between a great running back and an offensive line? Like, you know, something tells me this offensive line is better than the one that, that Saquon is dealing with. I mean, I just, you know, I do want to see a larger sample of all of this. And I do want to see it against better competition. Um, they, they've, they're handling it. They're, they got, they got better since Purdue. They, Ohio was, you know, not just an aberration, you know, Auburn has players. Yeah. They're moving them off the ball. They are opening lanes. Brenton strange and, you know, Ty, or excuse me, uh, War is it Tyler Warren? What's Kate Wallace? Yeah, no Warren, the the tight end. Oh yeah, is yeah. Tyler Warren. Tyler Warren. Tyler Warren. Who? Tyler Warren. Yeah, I'm dumb. I'm I'm my I'm all worked up. Sorry. So so the the tight ends are blocking. I mean, on both of um, Singleton's long fifty plus yard uh, runs, one for a touchdown. Brent Strange had you know big time blocks uh, on those. So it's just. I think that, you know, when you there's something about the young talent of this team infusing a new attitude, a new mentality, maybe a bit of a new swagger. And after two years of kind of being in the doldrums, this team is playing young talent that is infusing just a whole new level of energy. I mean, into this on, program. On, the, on the left side of that line, you also have um, Alo Fashanu. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's a young guy as well. And he, he's yeah. dominating on that left side of that yeah. line, um, on yeah. the blind side. So, um, it, it, I know, I think it's a both. And I think it's the, like you said, symbiotic, clearly Nick Singleton is a generational talent. He's got breakaway speed. We've seen that not only against Ohio when he kind of bounced it to the outside and outran everyone, but we saw it twice against Auburn. I mean, Auburn's got talent, you know? Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, if you zoom in to the point where the game really changed, um, even some guys from from the Auburn team like noticed that the that the game turned at this particular point. It was that uh, first touchdown drive that Penn State had in the second half, which was you know started off by a fifty three yard run by Nick Singleton, which got the ball down to like the four three or four yard line. You know he. Yeah. He uh, ran through a hole that, I mean, an enormous hole that was created by the offensive line. We just manhandled the Auburn defense, blocked it perfectly. And, you know, he didn't bounce it to the outside. He ran through a hole that was created. And then once he got to the second level, he was off to the races and, and you know, just barely got um, tracked down from behind by, you know, the safety who's racing over at an angle to stop him at the three yard line. But that, you know, it was that play that really turned this game, a running play, an explosive running play. And it was, it was set up by the offensive line. And then it was the speed of Nick Singleton, which, you know, helped it go from like a 10, 20, 30 yard gain to a 53 yard gain. So I think both things are working here. Um, I'd say, by, by the way, Catron Allen had some really great uh, runs as well. I mean, he had a couple of 13 yard runs, I think. Um, he, that same thing happened um, last week. Um, so so he has a good eye for hitting holes and and uh, bouncing off of tackles and making something out of, no out of nothing. Um, 
his his first touchdown was um you know kind of put us up 14 to 7 or excuse me 14 to 6 um that was a i think i already mentioned there's a third down play you know and we third and goal you know he bounced that um to, you know to the open spot after our um after our line kind of smashed and and uh you know shut down the whole right side of the line and he was supposed to go to the right and he bounced it to the left and, and got in. So like we got two running backs that are taking what the line's giving them and actually making something of it. I, both the line and the, and the running backs are just, I'm loving what I'm seeing right now. So, yeah, I mean, Sean Clifford wasn't asked to win this game. He was, he was asked to manage it and he was, I mean, that's the way the game went. They didn't, they didn't need him. He the, only, the, he only attempted running. 19 passes. Right. So, so what I'm, going to say here is if Sean Clifford is the conductor of this train, then the fuel are these freshman running backs. Mm, and I like the, that analogy. And the, and, I like and the that people, analogy. The people shoveling that fuel into the engine is the offensive line, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so it, it, you know, Sean doesn't have to do all that work. He now has an off. He doesn't have to conduct the train. He doesn't have to fuel it, and he doesn't have to be its fuel. You know, he doesn't. You know, so he he you know, just to shovel the fuel in. He can he can literally start relying on other players to to ca- carry the load, and and he, you know, hopefully he doesn't have to be taking shots like he did, like it, on that first drive, which he professed to not even seeing that guy. And and that player also professed that he actually pulled up last second and didn't totally lay oh him gosh, out. That was um, I, I gotta say because he, he didn't want because he thought Sean was about to he thought Sean was about to slide and he didn't want to get called for um, you know targeting. Yeah, yeah. And he also said that that you know and, and in my opinion that hit set the tone for the rest of the game and not in the way that I would have initially expected. You know, apparently. You know, what ended up happening was that that hit turned the tide for the rest of Penn State's tone for the rest of the game rather than Auburn's tone for the rest of the game. Basically, you know, after that hit, it was almost all Penn State. You know, I mean, yes, yes, base, you know, they they did score a a field goal after that, but they they didn't threaten the rest of that game, essentially, Um and and that that defensive player, um, the linebacker number zero, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. It's like Popo or something like that. But um, he said he, you know, he was really impressed that Sean was able to pop right back up and and remain in the game and and basically play the game that he played. So, yeah, I I mean, I I I thought Sean Clifford was going to be out of the game after that hit, the way it looked on, on screen. And, um, you know, apparently, you know, Twitter lit up and it's like, welcome to the sec, you know, that's your welcome to the sec moment or whatever. But, uh, (laughs) you know, and I thought, you know, I thought we were going to see, um, drew Aller, which I was like, well, I wonder how that's going to go. But, um, you know, Clifford came back in and, you know, you got to hand it to him. Uh, I mean, it really did kind of wake everyone up. I mean, you know, the offense had a, a bunch of offside, uh, or sh- I should say false start penalties, you know, um, Jordan Hare was, you know, ha- hard to deal with. And then, of course, I think they were really, but it didn't rattle the team. Those, 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 those offensive penalties didn't actually affect our ability to continue playing 
you know, good football. I mean, I agree with you. It was, it was impressive. And, um, you know, from a shaky start to go ahead and, and seize the lead and then, and then turn on the afterburners in the second half. It was great. Um, I, I want to talk it, about, you know, it, P- Pence, Pence, Joe, you know, people were, I said, Joe, I meant James, uh, James Franklin's decision to immediately after that hit, go for it on fourth and short on our own 47 at the time was not well received by both me and you. I was not Um, happy with that. (laughs) And, and, you know, it, it really could have, it set up an easy three points. We basically get hand uh, gift wrapped and, um, handed them three points right out of the gate that our defense, you know, was, you know, kind enough to keep them out of the end zone, which is a theme for the day, more or less. Um, But, you know, Franklin, after the game mentioned, we're going to be aggressive. He's like, we're just, we are, this is, we want to have an aggressive mindset. And, you know, seeing the way Mario Cristobal decided to punt on, on fourth down with three minutes left down by eight points, you know, I got to say, I'll take aggressive over <laughs> cowardice. Yeah, I guess so. I will. I mean, we, you know, we have Bar- Barney Amore. He's a weapon. I would have loved to see Auburn pin deep as the game was early. But, you know, at this point, that's just sort of, I don't know. That's that's quibbling over things that we don't need to quibble about. Could it come back to bite us in another game? Yeah, but I loved seeing the team kind of rally and come back together. You know, Penn State scored a touchdown uh, right in the aftermath of that Um of that field goal. So yeah, the next drive. Um, so uh, look, before we um, talk about the defense, which we have to talk about, um, it's just worth looking at, at what Sean Clifford did. He went 14 for 19. Again, he wasn't expected to do a whole lot, but that 73.6% completion rate. That's a, that's a really good completion rate. Um, he had 178 yards passing, um, which put him, beyond Christian Hackenberg for second all-time at Penn State. So again, you know, Sean Clifford is no slouch. He's not going to be a Heisman Trophy winner. But, you know, he's thrown for 8,500 yards in his career. By the way, no turnovers, no sacks by Sean Clifford. Okay? No interceptions, no fumbles, no drop. I mean, I guess he did. No turnovers. He did fumble. You're right. He He did did fumble fumble. on that hit, but um, it didn't cause a turnover. And, um, yeah, I mean... Uh, by the way, Sean Clifford had his first career reception for a 25-yard gain in the second quarter. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, and, and that play was set up absolutely perfectly, and he had three linemen out in front, way out in front, blocking that somehow missed the oh, only man, guy that came in and tackled it. Really should have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, could have been his first yeah, career touchdown reception. I think it's the first um, <laughs> receiving touchdown by a quarterback since maybe Hackenberg or something I mean, like that. It was a little bit of a gi- gimmick play. Um, I, I don't mind it. We didn't rely on it, but it was a nice little thing to kind of kind of put out there and try to keep Auburn honest and, and, you know, keep our offense rolling. Um, anyway, 178 yards. It's not, you know, going to win any awards, but, uh, he, he spread the ball around quite nicely. Do you know who his top receiver was on the day? I sure do. Brenton strange. Yeah, man. Again, tight ends having a great day. He had, uh, six catches for 80 yards, um, 59 yards after the catch. Um, so, you know, he had a great day. Um, Parker Washington, he was a second leading receiver, 58 yards with a long of 26. And, and Mitchell Parker Tinsley, Washington has now caught uh, Parker Washington has now caught a pass in every single game he has ever played in at Penn State. I think it's going to 25 straight passes 
that in games that he's appeared in. 25 straight games. That's what I mean. Yeah. 25 straight games uh, in games that he's appeared in. So um, Mitchell Tinsley, um, he had three catches for 47 yards. Seemingly quiet day for Mitchell Tinsley. Although, I mean, his big time reception going up over uh, an Auburn cornerback on that first drive set up Penn state's um, first touchdown. And um, so, so he had a really important day as well. Um, made some clutch catches. Uh, so, it, you know, while we didn't have like huge 75 yard passing plays while Sean Clifford didn't light it up for like 400 yards passing, it was very, very solid uh, play by the quarterback and the receivers and um, complemented the running game quite nicely. I, I was just, I, there's just not a lot to complain about. He, you know, I, I hand, hand it to Sean Clifford. Uh, he had a great day. Um, you know, I, if you've been reading the um, articles or seeing anything, you, you know, on Instagram, you may have caught, you know, the picture of Sean Clifford at midfield after the game, after everyone had gone staring up at the scoreboard. He's, it seems like he understood that it was a big day for him and he had accomplished something important uh, at Auburn. So um, congratulations, Sean. We're, believe us, we've been saying it. <laughs> we're, we're happy for Sean that he's had a, had a good day and, and hope this game is indicative of what the rest of the season will be. I hope he stays healthy yeah, and, and, and keeps, it up, keeps it up. And and on the subject of quarterbacks, it is the second straight game that we've had three quarterbacks register stats in a game. So, you know, that, I mean, that's think about not this. In insignificant Auburn, at all. In Auburn, at Auburn, we put our third string quarterback in by the end of the game. That's how that's how much we dominated this game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, Drew Drew Aller orchestrated a scoring drive. He was two for <laughs> yeah. two for twenty nine yards, and we we got points on one of his drives. So. Kids still gaining experience, and he got gained experience in a in a big time venue again. By the way, well, um, l- let's talk about the defense because um, you know we were going in against an Auburn team that was struggling in offense through the first two games of the season, and um, you know we needed to make sure that they didn't get going and find something a- against us. And I would say again in the first half. They they did drive against us. They had two long drives against us and could have um, you, know, you know could have had a very very tight game going into half as it was it was still a one score game. But the defense came through when they needed to with some big plays time and again. And um, you, you know it was a little nerve wracking for me. You know as we're watching. Um, you know, the quarterbacks run for long yardage on third down or giving up a long third down play a couple of times, um, you know, but they really came through and um, when all is said and done, uh, you know, both on the stat line and in the trenches and in the secondary, you, it was just a really, really dominant performance. We, you know, we held Auburn to 12 points in their own stadium. Uh, what stood out to you about this defensive performance for you, bro? I don't think in my whole life, I've ever seen a Penn State defense flying around like this. Um, <laughs> the amount of like strange formations and like overloaded sides of the defensive line and where they're bringing pressure from uh, these he, he Manny Diaz it, it, like delivered on what we wanted to see from him in game one or two. He delivered in game three for sure what we were expecting to see. So, you know, guys flying around, guys 
you know, batting down passes, guys hitting the quarterback, sacking the quarterback, tackles for loss. We had six sacks, nine quarterback hits, 11 tackles for a loss, four turnovers. Um, that was, by the way, the maybe, most turnovers we've had in a game since 2019 uh, when we uh, put a... Um, exclamation point on our season uh, versus Michigan State. So, you know, uh, and, and, and mind you, we're still playing a lot of depth. We're still playing a lot of young guys on the defense. Abdul Carter oh, man. Look, looks like he sh- should have been given the number 11 jersey. Um, I was actually, when, they, when I first heard that he was given that number 11, I was like, man, are we, are we anointing this kid too early? I don't even know anything about him. You know, and holy moly, does this kid have a burst? Um, he had a forced fumble, a uh, a sack, and a pass breakup in the game. To go with and, the six and tackles. One other. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so as a true freshman, you know, against Auburn on the road, we, we're we're relying on this kid to to like make significant plays. This. Whole team, defense, offense, um, this whole team is playing this young talent at a rate that that, like I said earlier, we're we're just infusing a whole new attitude and mentality into this whole program with these kids. And and they're not just being asked to play, they're contributing significant um g- you know, gameplay. To, and and to the outcome of these games, they're they are literally driving in some cases the win home in in, in these games. Um, so it, it's just fun to watch this defense play. They, there was a couple of formations out there, Andy. We ran a three one seven and blitzed three defensive backs from that uh, formation. That's crazy. Like like are we are we expecting many Diaz? To do this type of stuff every game, maybe not quite like this. Yeah, you wonder how much um, of, of this was like specially prepared for Auburn. You know, some things, you know, deep into well, the bag I think of tricks. The vanilla defense that we ran, the vanilla defense we ran in Purdue and Ohio, would certainly indicate that he was waiting for the Auburn game to unleash this like rabid dog mentality. I mean, it was um, an unleashing. On, you know, it was an unleashing of these, yeah. these highly talented players. And, you know, to be and fair, it makes me go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to okay. say, to be fair, um, you know, we did give up almost 300 yards passing. We did allow some really long conversions. It was, it was really uh, well, frustrating at times. Yeah, you live, you live by the sword. You die by the sword when you're playing that kind of defense. definitely exciting. <laughs> you know? We caught, we are, we are, we're calling it um, uh, the boomer bust defense, but, but the booms are like unseen before in in, in uh, for a Penn State defense quite in this way at least, at least I'm not in saying a good number Penn of years. State, yeah, um, I'm not saying we haven't had defenses. We've had better defenses uh, in terms of the stat sheet, in terms of giving up yards. We've had better defenses. I don't know. We've had defenses that that are running these kinds of formations before. Um, so. It, you know, we had an entire there was talks that, that like, you know, Manny Diaz circled this game in June, you know, so and he delivered. So, I mean, you know, there was a you, there you was got, a photo of him on the sideline with a huge grin. I mean, he's got to feel <laughs> really good about himself the way 
the way his defense performed. Well, so so if he had that long to prepare for Auburn, and that's what he you know kept close to the vest and unleashed on Saturday, you know now we have three weeks to prepare for Michigan. I mean, I'm not saying we can't overlook, you know, central Michigan, like we can't overlook, but like, you know, I think they knew that they could beat Purdue. I think they knew that they could beat Ohio with having a a more vanilla type of defense. And you got to ask yourself, what's, what's he going to unleash against Michigan on the road? Because a game like this Auburn game, both for the offense and the defense and, and special teams, of course, uh, goes a long way in preparing this young team for the growth needed to go into the big house and play a top four team. I mean, you know, big, big national spotlight at Auburn, um, you know, and, and <laughs> spanking them. I mean, spanking them in front of their home audience. We'll have a lot of time to, to preview that game, but I, I think it's interesting, you know, uh, Michigan, they haven't played anybody and they really aren't going to play anybody until our game. You know, meanwhile, I mean, we certainly could, could be in a different spot here at three and O like we are, we, we could be one and two potentially, you know, depending on how these two games had played out. But as it is, we're three and O after having gone through two extremely challenging away games and we've acquitted ourselves quite well. We've gotten a lot of battle experience. We've gone through some adversity. Um, you know, we, we've, we've, ha- we've been tested in ways that I don't think Michigan will have been tested. So it is interesting to think about, you know, now this, this really, really big game mid October up in Ann Arbor, um, what's that going to do to Penn state's mentality and you know, what it'll be like, you know, for Michigan to get a taste of a team that is talented and battle tested at that point, um, hopefully finding its groove on offense and defense. I don't know. I mean, a game that I was really, really worried about I, I, right now, I'm I'm thinking, hmm, this could be a fascinating matchup. So um, it's a little premature. We got two more games. We got a bye week to get through. Um, but yeah, starting to say to yourself, Penn State has themselves positioned pretty well right now going into the second month of the season. So um I, I think I think I want to make sure we can spend a little bit of time talking about the Central Michigan game. So I last thing I just want to say about this, and then I've got a question for you, is um on the offensive side of the ball this past week, Penn State was exceptionally balanced. We had 232 yards passing, 245 yards rushing. Meanwhile, our defense was able to make Auburn extremely one-dimensional. They had only 119 yards rushing. That was their strength of their defense. We kept Tank Bigsby to 39 yards on nine rushes, and um, their their second rusher was their quarterback, Robbie Ashford, for 29 yards on 11 carries. I mean... Uh, Tank Bigsby's yards per carry was only 3.3. And yeah, they they threw for almost 300 yards against us. But again, that was not the strength of their defense. And that's, I think, how we were able to keep them out of the end zone. You keep saying their defense. You mean their offense. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, Our defense (laughs) kept their offense um, one-dimensional. So um, it, it just was a really, really... Uh, excellent game plan executed. Uh, I don't want to say to perfection, but executed very well. Um, we were talking about the Michigan game coming up, but what do you, what does this say for you 
about our team going forward after seeing what we saw this past weekend? Well, they game planned properly. The game plan worked. Um, you know, to to take away their their strength of their offense with um, and force their unproven quarterbacks. They made mistakes. Their, their quarterbacks, both of them, made you know critical mistakes and, and critical uh, times uh, and at critical points in the field. Um, and that's exa- and then and then the opportunistic you know defense you know, took advantage of all of that, which is great. So um, I think that game plan worked. I think that was the game plan that everybody said going into this game that like, Hey, if you want to beat Auburn, you got to take away their run game. And we did. And, and our, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great to see a game plan get executed properly and, you know, go in with the right game plan and then have it executed properly. And then on top of that, you know, you won the first half. That's great. But you came out of the of halftime on the road as the lights are coming on at, at Jordan Hare and you dominated them on both sides of the ball. And not to mention, you know, our special teams were practically flawless, too. Um, so you got to really. You know, for, for all the froth and I, I, I do during the game, and froth, froth, plenty, plenty of froth was had. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm starting to think that this team, I, you know, and I'm tempering my expectations. I'm not. I don't believe we're about to go run away with the Big Ten title here or anything like that. Um, but I'm just starting to think this isn't the team. Um, that is easily going to go seven and six. You know, it's certainly more a team that's, that's capable of giving everyone they play a real run for their money. Um, I mean, this first three games of the season on, uh, on the stat sheet, or at least on the win column looks pretty similar to last season. You know, we, we had a, a close away win against a big 10 West team, an easy victory week two, and then beat Auburn. But I got to say this team looks a lot better in those three wins than last year's team. And last year's team, if it doesn't lose Sean Clifford in the Iowa game has a much different result, you know? So again, assuming this team can stay healthy, uh, assuming that uh, you know we we continue to play smart, continue to play hard, I, I think there I think there's reason for hope, and and maybe the expectations around this season can change. It's a, a lot of games yet to be played, um, but I, I, yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm uh, I'm pretty I, excited about. I just don't think you can. I just don't think you can say enough about what it does for an entire team to have a run game be effective and to have a running back who can take the ball, you know, 50 to 80 yards on, on a carry anytime he touches it. I mean, the kid Nick Singleton leads the country in 50 plus yard runs. He leads the country in yards for carry. He, you know, he, he this kid only has 30 carries so far this year and 300 and what is it? 335 rushing yards. 
I have. I mean, it's, the mo- it's, it's, it's around there. I can't remember exactly what it is. Pull, pull, pull them up while I'm talking about them. We haven't seen a start to a season like this. It's, it's, it's a better start to the season than any of Saquon Barkley's seasons. It's, and it's, um, the best start we've had since Larry Johnson's 2000 yard rushing season. Uh, if we're a running back, yeah, he's, and had, he's just he a has freshman. 334 yards in the first three games, um, most ever by a Penn State freshman, uh, exceeding Saquon Bar- Barkley's phenomenal freshman season in 2015. And like you said, only Larry Johnson in that record-breaking 2002 season, he had over 2,000 yards that season. It, and Larry was Larry was a senior, exactly. Dude. So it's like, you know, it's. <sighs> I, I, the 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 ceiling is high for for this kid. The ceiling is very high, and I think if this kid can reach his ceiling, this Penn State team has the ability to do accomplish some really um, great things, and has the ability to to shock some people, um, and and I think can can do some overachieving. And I, I, I don't maybe overachieving is the wrong word because. Who? What's overachieving? Even me. That, that's based on expectations that we're not going to be a good team. Um, this team has talent, and you saw it on the field against Auburn, against an SEC team that we have speed to hang with people on all sides of the ball uh, at every level of of uh, competition. It, it, you know, we got athletes and we got players, and and I think when you have this this kind of young team. You know, it catches fire and spreads throughout the the entire entire ball ball club, and and I think that's the that's that's what's that was really dangerous about that 2016 is when when the, that 2016 was catching fire, it was like an unstoppable fire, and 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 the crazy thing about it is while that team had a a, a lot of really key talent and a lot of and, and a lot of skill positions. I don't think it was half as talented as we are depth wise this year on the, you know, we we've got, I think we've got a lot of really good players that, that are just starting to, to taste what it's like to, to um, perform, you know, and, and, and contribute significantly. So, and and it starts with a spark. And I think Singleton and Katron Allen have been that spark for us. Yeah, last thing I'll just say about expectations going forward. We've been we've been pretty critical of Mike Yursich since he got here. Not seeing it. <laughs> you know, this is not what we expected when we when we brought this guy in. I, I feel like what we saw against Auburn is what Mike Yursich wants to do in his offense. I think this was a quintessential Mike Yursich. Uh, crafted win and and what you're finally seeing is execution on the offensive line and by the running backs and so again in terms of what we're likely to see going forward that has me a little bit more excited than I've been about uh, the offensive game plan uh, going forward Uh, we're going to have a couple of weeks where hopefully we're going to continue to get the um, you know get the uh, mechanics worked out um, before we we hit that uh, Michigan game, which brings me to our mailbag for this week. And um, uh, let me go ahead and open up that mailbag and we'll see what we've got. Mailbag time. All right. This is a, this is a late entry um, from Jer Bertner. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's, um, 
it's a pretty straightforward question. Uh, would you rather have Michigan losing several games before we play them or being undefeated before we play them? To me, it's a no brainer. Um, you know, I, I want to be the first team to dish to punch Michigan in the mouth. Like, yeah, Michigan plays Iowa before we come to the big house, but there's zero chance that Iowa's offense is going to put up the kind of points they'll need to, to, to hang with Michigan. There just isn't, I mean, um, and I don't Michigan know, Michigan is going into Kinnick for that game. So yeah, Brian Ferentz, it, no, it's just not going <laughs> to happen. There, there, it just isn't, it's just not. Um, and you could take that to the bank because there's zero chance of, of Iowa upsetting. Yeah, they, maybe they'll keep it close, but th- it's just not going to happen. Okay, um, but and the the Maryland plays Michigan, I think this upcoming weekend, and Maryland's always you know an incredible team in their non conference slate. Like they always start three and zero or four and zero, and then they end up you know losing fifty percent of their games moving forward or worse. Um, so I, I don't see Maryland doing anything to slow. Uh, Michigan down. So would I rather, it doesn't even matter. It's just not going to happen. I, I, you know, <laughs> um, I, and again, I, I really do want to be the first one to punch Michigan in the mouth. Like that's, I want a top four Michigan team in the big house, you know, and they can point to that. The fact that we already played off Aub- Purdue on the road. We already played Auburn on the road. Then we go into Michigan and it's just like, all right, who's next, you know, and, and we, we take care of business. Uh, that's what I would, I would like to see. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, um, I, I, yeah, I can go with your, your answer. And, and sort of my first thought was, uh, you know, obvious, you know, of course I want Michigan to be undefeated, but as you're talking through it, it, it got me to thinking, you know, a couple things. First of all, when we're, when we're dealing with any of the top 10, the top teams in the big 10 East, uh, any loss you can give them helps. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, would it be nice to be playing a, you know, a top three or four team when we go into the big house to get that win? Sure. But, you know, strategically through the rest of the season, it may be helpful to have, you know, Michigan and Ohio State to have a couple losses. Um, so if we beat them, it doesn't really matter. Um, of course, but, um, you know, the way things go in the East, it doesn't hurt to put a couple of losses. The other thing is I feel like, it wouldn't hurt to have some of Michigan's weaknesses exposed before we get to them. Um, I think the chances are, like you said, that they're going to steamroll Maryland and and really not have a hard time with Iowa. But it would be really nice to have a sense of, of what some of the places that we can exploit uh, Michigan's weaknesses before we get there. Now, I think the way you can get at that is is, you know, if Iowa can play Michigan pretty tough on defense and keep it a low scoring game and Michigan ekes out a win, I'm okay with that. It's sort of like, you know, how uh, Auburn had a hard time at San Jose state. Um, and, and, you know, they came away with a win. It was nice to play an undefeated Auburn team, but it gave us a sense of what some of those, um, you know, sticky points might be and where we might be able to exploit that. So um, I think, you know, in a perfect world, we're playing an undefeated Michigan team going in there and getting a win. But if Michigan's a little rattled and they've got some dings in their um, nice, shiny, you know, muscle car, they've been racing, you know, these first couple of games. I don't mind that either. Um, 
I guess my answer is I'd rather Michigan be undefeated, but I'd love, I'd love their, um, I'd love their record to be a little more suspect than it is. Well, let's put it this way. Even if we like, even if we don't win there. um, And by the way, I, I do think we do have the dogs to be able to hang with Michigan. It'll be a really interesting game. I, I, I don't know. I don't know uh, how I so, would how I would handicap that game right now. I I, I think I, I think we can win that game. But hold on, hold uh, on. So so um, if we lose a close game, I don't want them to be two or three lost team. Yeah, you know mm, I want I, I want them. You know I still want it to be a quality win um, for us. You know because we have these the optics, we have the 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 CFP ranking, the committee, and all that crap. That's that's just Top a reality. Teams. I don't want, and I you know if we end up missing the CFP, I don't want to p- be playing Houston in a New Year's Six game. <laughs> you know I want to, I, I want to. Oh, I, it, I hear you. You know I I don't <laughs> want to be playing a second tier opponent. I want to be up there playing. You, you know the USC's the um who whoever is up there. You know Texas, I, Texas A and M. Rather, yeah. yeah. Clemson or whomever Oklahoma, up, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So, so I'd, I'd rather our opponents be highly ranked when we, when we play them so that if, even if we do lose, you know, we still look like we played a solid, uh, you know, uh, slate. Cause, cause as you say, um, as you said, now there are currently, there are only three ranked teams in the big 10. Michigan state just got dropped out. Uh, like Minnesota is going to have to, to 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 play strongly against Michigan State to 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 be ranked after this this you know playing an unranked Michigan State so you know we uh, you know and by and now that I'm talking about Minnesota that Minnesota game is not looking great sandwiched between Michigan and Ohio State by the <laughs> yeah. way yeah that and I think by the way next year they have us playing Michigan State or excuse me Michigan and Ohio State back to back oh that's special I really thank you. The Big Ten is like doing us no favors in our scheduling constantly, whereas Michigan plays eight home games this year and doesn't even like have a ranked opponent until we come to town, assuming we continue to win. It's just. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there are some ways that this schedule sets up favorably for us. You know, if we get past our first five games, yeah, we're at Michigan, but it's after a bye. And then we have Minnesota and Ohio State at home. And so, you know. I don't like the way those games are are smashed all together, but in some ways there are some positive things about it as well. But uh, you know, that's that's all academic at this point. Um, We're going to be playing the best teams in our division and the best team in the other division all three weeks back in a row, to back to back, <laughs> three weeks in a row, no bye weeks between them. Yeah, in October. Well, look, um, I, I thank you, Jer Bertner, for the um, the question. Would you rather? It looks like Tom and I are on the um, let's undefeated. face an undefeated Michigan, and um, we'll see. Uh, I want redemption. I want redemption for the 2005 Lloyd Carr game. Oh, I, I, that's what I yeah. want out of my Michigan game this year. Oh, that's what yes. I want. Let's do it. I do. Let's do it. Um, well, before we get there, we do have uh, an opponent this week that we're going to have to to handle. Um, so let's go ahead and 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 do our look ahead. I don't know that we're going to spend a whole lot of time because it is, after all, the Central Michigan Chippewas that we're facing. Um, that game is at noon Eastern this Saturday on the Big Ten Network. And um, 
you know, we've gone back and forth on this, whether this could be a trap game or whether or not it's going to be a pushover game. And I, I got to say, after three weeks of the season, I'm still not sure that this is going to be a, a guaranteed win because there are some things that this Central Michigan team is showing. Uh, let's first just talk real quick about their coach, Jim McElwain. All right. Um, he's the former head coach of the Florida Gators. And um, you were giving me a little history earlier on, on his coaching um, odyssey. He, he, first of all, was one of Nick Saban's assistant coaches back in the day, won two national championships with Saban. Um, and then he went to as the offensive coordinator, by the way. Right. Okay. Very good point. Um, so, and this was like, you know, the Nick Saban Alabama teams that are just scoring bunches and bunches of points. Uh, then he went to Colorado State and lit it up before being um, snagged by Florida, where he coached between 2015 and 2017, uh, coached Florida to a 22 and 12 record, where he won back to back SEC East titles in his first two seasons. And then he was, you know, unceremoniously fired after a three and four start in his third season. So, you know, you got to just love how the SEC does things there. What have you done for me lately? Yeah. Brian Harson, uh, Gene Chizik, <laughs> I mean, uh, Gus Malzahn, Gus Malzahn. I mean, I mean, you win a national title at Auburn, you get fired a couple years later. You win a national title at, um, at LSU, you get fired a couple years later. I mean, this I mean, is I a mean, pathology, you know, it, totally. It's, it's really, it's really quite uh, astonishing and you know he was the sec coach of the year his first year and won two sec titles back to back in his first two years and then was sec east i'm sorry uh and then was fired in his third season during the season yeah he didn't even get to he didn't even he didn't even get a chance to have a full like three or four years of recruiting classes come through before they fired him. And of course, like you look at Florida, like they, they haven't put it together. I mean, the fact that you're constantly shuffling your head coach is not a, it's not a good way to have success. You know, I mean, Florida is still shuffling their head coach. I mean, Auburn, They're same way, you know, I mean, it. people are saying, still doing people it. are saying, um, Brian Harson's not going to get out of September, you know, um, and by the way, <laughs> so that just, you know, we, we, we look at Franklin as a Penn state fan base, yeah. You know, and and we're every year we're like, we got to fire this guy. It's like <laughs> it's not it's <laughs> it's not working for these SEC schools who are constantly firing their coach, you know, and not everybody is Nick Saban and not everybody is Kirby Smart. You know, it's like you just those guys are, you know, their own special like coach. And yes, I get you're trying to find the next one, but like. You know, Nick Saban lost the University of Louisiana Monroe his first year at Alabama. So, like, should have gotten you, fired. You got to start. Should have gotten fired. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Good point. Um, well, uh, so, back to yeah, back, back to Jim McElwain. Um, he um, after he got fired uh, by Florida, he spent a season, um, you know, rehabilitating his uh, career at. Uh, Michigan, where he was the wide receivers coach, and then was hired by um, Central Michigan in 2019. He was the MAC coach of the year that first year when he took a one win team uh, the previous year and went eight and four with them. 
last year he uh, led them to a, a nine and four season where they they won their bowl game. Um, and so, you know, I just wanted to say this is an experienced coach. He knows how to coach football. He knows how to coach offensive football. Um, last year, they were the number four scoring offense in the country, by the way. Um, and so, you know, this is not a joke of a team. Okay. Um, and, uh, this coach knows what he's doing. He's been around the block. He's won with some of the biggest teams in the country and, um, yeah, he's going to come into Beaver stadium and I think he's not going to be intimidated. Andy, they beat our, they beat the pants off, especially in the second half. Our hometown Bucknell Bison last week. <laughs> That's, true. That's very true. I, how many times in, in the history of Penn State, especially in our lives, has Penn State played a team that just played Bucknell? I really don't know. I mean, it's funny. You go back in the records and Penn State and Bucknell played in the early 1900s, which is also hilarious yeah, to think about. it was the first about. bowl game. <laughs> Penn State's first bowl Amazing. game was against Bucknell in the Orange Bowl. Uh, is that right? Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, well, look, I mean, yeah, that that game was uh, seven to nothing, Michigan, uh, Central Michigan, and then um, they scored five touchdowns in the second half, and and like yeah. I said, blew the doors off. It was forty one nothing at the end of the game. Um, this year, Central Michigan, um, it's hard to know, you know, what kind of team they're going to be. Um, unlike you know the Power Five teams who schedule cupcakes, these like lower tier teams are playing against really good competition. So currently they're one and two. Um, they're one win, like we said, to Bucknell. The two other teams that they lost to, one of them was a top 10 ranked Oklahoma State. Um, and they still scored 22 points in the fourth quarter to make it a game. Um, you know, they, they, the, the final score is 58 to 44, but um, it was a comeback that, that they could have had some teeth potentially. And then they lost. And that, South was in the first, that was, a, that was the first week of the season. Correct. Andy, yes, that exactly. Oklahoma state game yeah. now. And just to give the listener, the, the couple of you that are still listening, <laughs> three of you um, still the, listening an the hour context and a half podcast for that. <laughs> it, Jim Knowles was the defensive coordinator for Oklahoma state that left in the off season to go to Ohio state. So, so Oklahoma state was breaking in a brand new defensive coordinator. Um, you know, so chalk that up in game, in the game. Yeah, but one, still, you know, they acquitted themselves well. They put up four, Four points sure, well, sure. against a top yeah, ten I, team. I'm just saying, take that context for what you will. Their um, their second loss was to South Alabama, which you think, oh, you know, then this is obviously not a very good team. But South Alabama almost beat UCLA this past weekend, so South Alabama might actually be a better team that we think. Um, so it's again, it's hard to say. Is this a is this a subpar team? that can get up from time to time, or is this a dangerous team that lost to some good teams? It's hard to know. Um, and so I, I don't want to label this a trap game officially, but they, they have, I, I think we should, I think okay. we should. Tom's calling it a trap game. Well here, but here's why is because and I'll let you finish your thought there, but, but we just sunk a ton of uh, emotional and physical energy into going on the road against Auburn. Yep. Yep. And now we have a noon kickoff against a, a Mac team um, that, you know, we've we've beaten handily before in recent, you know, memory. Um, and I just, you know, 
you can't really quantify how hard it's going to be to get back up after a game where we played a very physical brand of football. Yeah, I mean, to your point, this is a MAC team that has already this year gone into a hostile stadium against a top 10 team and acquitted themselves well. They are not going to be intimidated by the environment. Right. And I, you got to expect that a noon uh, game at Beaver Stadium against a MAC team is not going to be, you know, like Jordan Hare was for the 330 kickoff against a huge interconference rivalry game. Um, now, now the only, now I, I, do, I do give us hope in the sense that, like, I'm not saying, oh, I really, really am really concerned about <laughs> this Central Michigan game because we also had a lowly Ohio come in after the Purdue game where we had to, it was a nail biter, seven, Seven lead changes on the road in a night game at Purdue. Yeah, you know, and and, and we came back against Ohio, and um, you know, we we blew the doors off. Let, them. Let's put it so, this way: we're going to have to be focused in this game and play up to our potential and not down to theirs. Okay, I think I think I agree completely, um, I, and I think a, a key element of why Penn State probably won't succumb to this p- potential trap game is because of the amount of depth we're playing that's keeping a lot of our guys fresh. So so even in a physical game last week, it's not like, you know, the snap counts for our starters was so astronomical that they're going to be depleted going into this um, right, exactly. Central Michigan game, including our offensive. You know, you mentioned, you know, hey, uh, you mentioned to me yesterday, I should say, um, hey, you know, Singleton only has 30 carries, but look how fast he still was in the third and fourth quarters. You know, he's, he's fresh yeah. and, you know, so that, that, that spread that across the whole board of defense and offense. It's like, it's like, we can rely on a, a lot of players if things aren't going right. Um, you know, and, and a lot of players being played means a lot of fresh legs and no one's too beat up. And because we did take some nicks in the game, J- Curtis Jacobs was, was hurt, um, came out of the game. Joey Porter Jr. Was hurt, came out of the game at now they came, they went back in and all, but like, when they were out, the team didn't skip a beat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, that was, so that's promising. That was promising for sure. Um, and you know, like you said, you hope, you hope those injuries really were, were nothing more than, you know, nicks and bruises or cramps or whatever. But, um, there seems to be a lot of depth that will allow this team to continue to perform well. Um, they don't seem to be very beat up at this point in the season, even though they've had two pretty, pretty challenging games already. So that that's that bodes well. I, you know, I think um, when you look at the matchups, okay, our um, offense versus their defense. Um, this is a team that can be exploited. Um, they gave up uh, fifty eight points to Oklahoma State. They gave up thirty eight points to South Alabama. So. Um, their defense, um, who lost a bunch of key players last year, still working on uh, a rebuild. I, I, I think, you know, this is a team, if our offense plays their game, uh, avoids, you know, dumb plays and costly turnovers, I think that our offense can really score a lot of points. I don't know if we're going to put up, you know, mid-40s or, or more against them, uh, but I, I really think that... Um, our offense should be able to score in bunches and uh, shouldn't shouldn't run into a lot of trouble. I mean, for crying out loud, we put up 41 at Auburn. So you'd think we we should be able to handle a Central Michigan team that that doesn't have a very a, a very significant threat on defense uh, to stop us in the run or the pass. 
I think the real question for uh, Penn State is is how does the matchup work on the other side of the board, um, their offense versus our defense? Um, because they've got a, a, a pair of guys in their quarterback, Daniel Richardson, and their running back, Lou Nichols. Um, they played for them last year. Um, Daniel Richardson already has uh, almost 900 yards passing. He's got seven touchdowns to two interceptions, and their running back has 257 yards already. Um, so they're a balanced offense. Uh, um, they, they have, like I said, we are talking about Jim, Jim McElwain, who's an offensive uh, genius, and he's got some, some talented guys who can run his system. I think the question is, can our defense – um, bottle them up and keep them from doing what they want and limit their scoring opportunities like we did this past Saturday and like we did against Ohio. Is I think if we get into a shootout, that's where you can say, oh, this this is a you know a Central Michigan team who's going to get some belief and they can get rolling, and then we're like, you know, who's going to make the mistake first? And you start worrying about that game. But if our defense can shut them down, um, you know, enough, I think I think it should be a uh, you know, pretty comfortable day for us. So I'm not going to get into to the analytics of the, you know, our matchups versus their matchups, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and I'm just going to go off of what I feel about what this team uh, is and, and can be. Don't and, run away and, from and, your feelings, Luke. Oh, well, I do often, but, <laughs> um, so, I mean, you're talking to about talking to a long distance adventure athlete. I'm constantly leaving my problems behind me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> is that um, what the hiking is all about? I <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> and biking. Um, so, you, you know, I'm finding new ways to run away. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, that's amazing. If this team, if this team. To me, you know, showing what we showed against Auburn is a massive leap forward growth-wise for this team um, from week one to week two to week three now. Now, now this is another opportunity to me to for this team to prove, you know, themselves to themselves, <laughs> you know? Like, hey, are you guys going to, you know, let a lesser talented team come into your house and, and like make it close, make it look ugly. You know, are you guys going to play sloppy? Are you going to play, you know, la lackadaisically? Like, uh, like I think, uh, uh, you know, Franklin teams in the past have shown the, the propensity to do that after a big game. Um, you know, and, and yeah, I want to see, this team, you know, if it is different from from previous Franklin teams, if it is different than these last two seasons, prove prove it to a lesser foe, a much lesser foe, that that you're not you're not going to let them come into your house and remotely, you know, have the notion that they can they can win this game. Take them out of it in the first quarter. Don't. Don't start slow and let them let them be slowly believe that they can win a game because that is how you lose a game. That, that is how a trap game you know happens, and, and it's how people lose trap games. You got to go in and dominate right out of the gate. That's what I want. That's what this team needs to prove 
that 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 all this talent is for you know can can you can swing that that might at a at a team and just demoralize them right out of the gate like that's what a, a Franklin's teams have have been missing for a while and to I, me. I I think we have a chance to see it too the way our offensive line has been playing the way a running game yeah. has been starting to come online here I mean that's the kind of um that's the kind of weaponry that you you need to be able to do that. And um, I, so I think on the offensive side of the ball, absolutely, I 100% agree with you. I want to see a dominating performance up front. I would like to see to get a bunch of points on the board early, get some stops on our defense, maybe some takeaways where, you know, by the time we get to the end of the second quarter and the start of the third quarter, it's it, it, nobody's wondering what kind of uh, result we're going to see here. L- love to see for the, fourth game in a row drew Aller come in and take some significant snaps at quarterback. That would be tremendous. Um, and you know, certainly love to see our running backs get going again for the third game in a row, another hundred plus yard game for, for Nick Singleton or Katron Allen and over so, 200 yards. So the cats, That's what I'd love to see. The cats. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't, I'm not, honestly, I don't know what I'm going to see. That's the thing is like, I, like I, I'm telling you what I want to see, what, what, what I, we almost need to see if we want to be, you know, a legitimate contender in this conference this year, in this division this year. Um, but the, you know, as far as like, you know, the defense is going to be going up against a pretty good offense. Um, so, but the defensive, <laughs> you know, cat is out of the bag. Now there's no hiding the fact that our defense can do what it just did against Auburn. So if I'm Manny Diaz, like b- apply that pressure against a lesser foe now. Yeah. It'd be you know, nice you, to, you don't not return you don't have to, to like- hide it against Ohio. You don't have to hide it against Purdue while you're waiting for Auburn to, to stymie that deep, that offense of theirs, which by the way, w- wasn't, you know, maybe Purdue's offense is better than Auburn's. Yeah. Not maybe it is. Um, so here <laughs> you are against the high flying Michigan, uh, central Michigan offense. Like do it like, like, yeah. st- like, like show show all that you just showed against Auburn again against Central Michigan, you know. Like get this defense ahead of steam so that when you know they're going into the the, the bye week against Michigan, they aren't just like hoping they can replicate what they did against Auburn. They know they can, and then they can go into the bye week and and I'm a little ahead of myself on all that kind of stuff. But but I just I, I'm saying you you need to you need to nurture some of these strengths that are starting to surface. Right. You need to instead of having them be these like flash games, make it part of their DNA embed it, like really fortify it, you know, um, make it the foundation of what this defense does is just, you know, disrupting at a at a rabid rate, uh, you know, unleashed, uh, an unleashed rabid dog yeah, is what I, this defense could be. I totally agree with you. I don't want to see us go back to kind of like a, a boring base defense. Uh, we've already put it on tape against Auburn, what our defense may be capable of doing. And so let's keep doing it. Let's put that kind of stuff on tape again and again, and give Michigan's offense a a whole lot to think about, you know, so they're, they're spreading themselves thin, trying to prepare against, you know, odd fronts and things like that. And, and then in the bye week, we get a chance to try some different wrinkles that we haven't shown, but I I agree that the chaos that we're, um, we're showing on our defense right now, I'd like to see it, uh, continue to crank and, um, 
Yeah, show that it can handle, uh, you know, it handled uh, a struggling Auburn offense. It'd be interesting to see how it handles, uh, a, a, you know, a, a good um, execution. I don't know if they'll be good execution, but like what Central Michigan has on offense, obviously they've got some things going for them. Um, they know how to run their offense. It'd be it'd be nice to see, um, you know, it'd be nice to see how we how we perform against a potentially high flying offense and and just really unleash it. I'd love to see that for sure. Um, yeah, I mean the offensive line, especially like like what I was just saying with the defense, like like motivate these guys to be hungry. You know, motivate these guys to 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 dominate. Uh, against lesser, like this is when you should be like, Hey man, we know we're going to eat now. Like instead of just like hoping you're going to eat against an sec team and then, you know, accomplishing it, know you're going to eat and, 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 uh, you know, uh, assert that might excessively, uh, you know, across the offensive def- offensive and defensive lines, like show, show it to me twice, you know, let's see it twice. Yeah, I agree. Well, Hey, um, you know, we've been, um, We've been ranting and raving in a positive way here for for quite quite a long time. I love it. Um, let's get down to it. What <laughs> what are your predictions for this uh, Central Michigan game coming up? Oh man. Um, well, I know I now know the the. Uh, I think we're favored by twenty four or twenty six points. I think it's twenty four and a half points or something like that. And the over under is sixty. And I uh, you know, whew, like. I don't know what that means in terms of what I'm going to predict. I'm just saying those things out loud. Um, I actually haven't given any thought to what this prediction should be, but but really, I, I I don't see a true letdown happening here. I don't know if I see the defense locking this this offense down totally, um, but I I do see our offense scoring a boatload of points. I could I could see us scoring fifty in this game. Um, so I think my, uh, I, I'll just, I'll do it here. I'll do it. I'll, let's, I'll, let's it. go, um, 56. Nice. Two 21. I like it. I'm, I'm Penn I'm, state, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you get the score, but the team's wrong, like, you know, we better be, <laughs> I, I can uh, just see that, I can see Central Michigan scoring one early and then scoring two late when yeah. it, when it's all you know out of hand. I think I I think our defense has you you know has the wherewithal and and the um you know physicality to to hold them under twenty. I, I'm I'm calling uh, uh that Michigan State's gonna gonna score seventeen. Central Michigan. Uh, what did I say? Michigan State. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one of those Michigan teams um, is going to, I don't know. I, I'm actually thinking 16. I'm going to say 16. Okay. Um, hey, let, while we're, while we're at this prediction crap that we're, you know, by the way, you won last. Yes, I sure did. I'm two and I'm two and one and you're one and two. Um, let's, let's also give like a, you can call it a bold prediction. You can call it whatever you want, but like, like who's going to be the star of the game? Like whatever you want it to be. I, I I'm going to say Nick Singleton and Katron Allen both go for over a hundred. Nice. Uh, I'm going to say Nick Singleton hits 200. <laughs> um, but well, I, I mean, he can't. You you interrupted my prediction of the score, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say. Oh, I did. Um, sure, great. My bad. I'm gonna say uh, 49 
to set uh, to 16, 49, 16 Penn state with Nick Singleton right. uh, g- getting 200 yards. Yeah. Um, Drew, I also, Aller, I'm Drew a- Aller throws another two touchdowns and um, the Penn state defense gets a score. Yeah. I also, speaking of the defense, um, I am um, really, and I mean really eager to see Abdul Carter become our starting middle linebacker uh, moving forward. The guy is just unbelievable. Um, and and Kobe King, while he made a couple decent plays in the game, and Tyler Elsden, you know, helped bottle up a couple of plays. I just I, they aren't the athlete that he is. They aren't explosive like he is. They 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 were a liability on a couple plays, um, especially those third and longs. And I think Abdul Carter it can be not only a dominant attacker on defense, but but an eraser as well back there. Yeah, let's keep um, an eye on Abdul Carter and those young linebackers. Um, uh, let's see how the defensive line goes. Maybe they can get some more, um, you know, big plays. I, I, I think I, I think it should be a good day for Penn State. Uh, if it's not, that'll be that'll be challenging. But um, hey, there you have it. Uh, it's going to be a noon game uh, in the Eastern Time Zone. BTN Big Ten Network. Um, you know, after our game is over, just a couple games to just draw your attention to, as we said, Minnesota versus Michigan State. That's at three thirty on Big Ten Network right after our game. Um, and then a uh, big national game in the SEC, Tennessee versus Florida. That's number 11 versus number 20. That's, uh, you know, a pretty uh, big rivalry game. And that's also on three th- uh, at 330 on CBS. And then uh, a couple interesting games in the evening. Um, uh, number 10, Arkansas is going to play number 23, Texas A&M at 7 p.m. Overrated Arkansas, by the way. Uh, you know, well, I guess we'll find out. Um, Overrated, I'm calling it. And then, you know, they beat the pants off of us last year, so. Yeah, with our opt-outs, too. Yeah, yeah but I anyway. Um, and then, to me, the, uh, the, the other really interesting game on the day we already talked about, Wisconsin versus Ohio State. Seven. That's the one I'm going to be looking at. I'm going to be hopeful that Wisconsin's defense um, can – provide some sort of glimmer of hope into slowing down that, that offense that's now getting going. And, um, you know, Notre Dame showed some stuff, but that was with an undermanned um, offense uh, for OSU. Um, and which, by the way, OSU lost uh, uh, Travion Henderson in this last game. And, and another quarter, excuse me, another running back stepped up for them. I forget his name, but it seems to, to be that they keep reloading at receiver and running back, um, you know, so um looking forward to seeing how that uh, offense uh gets could could get slowed down by Wisconsin's defense. Hope hope, hope they provide some sort of a blueprint. Well, that'll do it for us. Um guys, uh, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. You know, I haven't been this happy during and after a Penn State game in a long time. I hope you guys are feeling the excitement as well. Um Hopefully got some more big things coming up the next few weeks as we uh, count down the days to uh, our Big Ten home opener against Michigan in a few weeks. Um, thanks again, uh, Mailbag, uh, Jer Bertner, for uh, being being uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> being willing to, to, to write it in. Um, we, we'd love to uh, share the love. Um, uh, please uh, continue to, to send in those mailbag entries. Um, and uh, just a reminder, we're, we're – Typically, right now, 
recording early in the week. So get us your mailbag question um, right after the game so we'll have a chance to look at it and, and open it up. Um, keep uh, sending us those great ratings and reviews. Um, and um, we're going to stick with you through the season. Hope we keep on this upward trajectory. Uh, we'll talk to you next ne- week. Uh, but until then, bro, it always. And, and next week, oh, well, next week, I'll also be coming on it. Coming to you. I'll, I'll always do it. <laughs> next week, I'll be coming to you from Navajo Nation, Ooh. by the way. Ooh, Arizona. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hope to be south of the Grand Canyon at that uh, point. Say, say hi to Herm Edwards for us, who just got fired from Arizona State. You mean say goodbye That's, to Herm well, Edwards he, for us. You can say hello right. while he's on his way out of Arizona, while you're on your way in. You say hello, I'll say goodbye. Okay, Beatles. Anyway. Quote the Beatles. <laughs> it always starts with I love you. And it ends with me interrupting you. I love you, bro. I love you too, bro. <laughs> We are Penn State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 